The Money Show. Personal Finance with Warren Ingram. One of the big five mistakes that people who lose money permanently make. What are those big five mistakes? Warren Ingram, personal financial advisor and executive director at Galileo Capital, regular Thursday night contributor to The Money Show uh, in the terms of personal finance. And Warren, I don't know where we start with this. I mean, generally, I think most people get themselves into trouble probably when they go out and take their big first high-value loan to buy something they probably don't need or something they thought they needed and end up taking on too much debt. Absolutely, Bruce. And I think it, it usually uh, it, you know, happens in the middle of, of, of some other unexpected uh, you know, movements, either in their own lives, in the economy, or, or in investment markets. You know, I think, just, just jump back to the beginning of COVID. You know, people borrow money because they're buying a house or they bought a car, uh, and suddenly they find themselves out of work because the world shuts down. Uh, and, and so they're in a position where they've got to you know, access whatever money they can. And you know, fortunately or unfortunately, they have investments, but, uh, but those investments are suddenly down 20 or 30 or 40%. Um, and they've got to sell those investments no matter what, because they've got debt to pay and, and no income to pay it with. So, so they, they find themselves in a terrible position where they, they sell investments uh, at, at discounts that will never be recovered. And they use that money to settle debt. And and so they 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 experience one one of life's you know one investment life's great tragedies you know borrowing too much uh, w- when you simply can't afford it and and then having to to cash in investments at the worst time, and and you know lest we think it's just individuals it's also it's also professionals you know one of the all time famous big investment blurps was a, a company called Long Term Capital Management which was filled with uh, Nobel Prize winning economists they did exactly the same thing. So it's you know don't feel bad if you're a, a private investor and you find yourself in this in this problem. It happened to some of the the brightest minds uh, in the economic world as well. And it's common, and it happens in every cycle because particularly when money is cheap, as it has been for the last two years, people do tend to go, "Well, I can afford this," and forget that interest rates do eventually go up, and sometimes they can go up really quickly, and sometimes they can go up really quickly by quite a lot, as we've seen happen in the past. Less likely now, fingers crossed, um, but possible. Absolutely, and I think uh, you know one function will be your 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 big interest rate moves, and and especially for people who've borrowed uh, money for a home loan, for example, you know, or or a, or a you know a car that that represents a huge part of their monthly repayments. It doesn't take a big jump in the interest rates to to, to catch you off guard, and especially if you haven't done that that sort of budgeting effectively, where you where you've got enough capacity in your monthly expenses to to cover you know an, an extra one or two percent a year interest rate jump. And it might not sound like a lot when someone says one percent, but if it translates to you know two or three thousand rand a month extra, uh, and and that sets you in the red on a monthly basis, then then you've got the problem of you know, a debt that you can't repay on 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 your home, for example, and you're having to fund it from your from credit cards, and 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 then you're in a whole heap of trouble very very quickly. So so it's one of those things you just have to really be careful. You know, uh, borrowing money is fine for for the right reasons, and and making sure that you you've got sufficient cash to cover any unforeseen expenses is critical in that. And and always make sure that you can you can tolerate an extra few thousand rand a month's worth of 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 interest rate jumps if if that's what happens. And and I think you're right, Bruce. You know, listening to the Americans now, their inflation rate has shot through the roof. 
uh, they're in for a nasty surprise that, you know, where the, their reserve bank's going to have to push up interest rates. Mm. They're, they're going to be in the same position. So you're, you're right. It is common everywhere. I bumped into somebody from the world of the arts the other day and they were looking a little bit grey um, and it wasn't because time had passed and I hadn't seen them for a while. And I said, what's on this wrong with you? It, you, know, you look like you've been going through some stress. And they say, well, SARS is all over me. And I said, oh, my goodness me, why? And they said, well, um, I didn't um, you know, put money aside for provisional tax and my income dropped and I was spending my income and I wasn't saving the money I used to save and putting aside to pay the tax when it was due. And then the tax came due and there was no money. And no wonder they were grey. And I think this is also fairly common, particularly not necessarily in just that scenario, but there are a bunch of people doing some quite highfalutin stuff when it comes to money that aren't necessarily thinking of the financial consequences of making a profit. It's it's a volatile time now where we find, you know, lots of people have been trading in shares. You know, it's it started in the US with, with sort of the Robin Hood traders, you know, buying shares and watching them shoot up, and and you know they were sort of buying and selling on a rapid basis and making some some decent profits. Some of them, uh, not not for very long, but they did make some good profits. And and what you found was that they just kept going, and and all of a sudden gets to the end of the year, and the, and the re, the receiver turns around and says, well, you know, you've made X amount of money as profits. Uh, where is our share of the the, the taxes and and for people who, who've been doing that, I notice it's happening here as well. You know, uh, they call it Fin Twitter, but financial Twitter is full of people punting individual shares on, on the JSC and, and how these shares, have, well, and, until a couple of weeks ago, have been, you know, really shooting up and people bragging about their trading profits, which is interesting because, you know, SARS is, a, is quite sticky on things like this. You know, if you buy and sell shares actively within a three-year period, in other words, you buy a share today, and you sell it, you know, let's say in 18 months' time, and you sell it for a big profit, there is a very good chance that SARS turns around and says that that profit that you've made is not considered to be capital, it's considered to be um, income. In other words, it's part of the way that you generate a monthly or annual salary for yourself, and therefore you owe us, you know, uh, let's say 30 or 40 or 45% tax on those profits that you've made. Uh, and, and for people who haven't budgeted for any kind of tax on, on, on their profits from share sales, they're in for, for, for a nasty surprise. And, and, and SARS is not understanding. You know, if you don't have the money, um, you owe penalties as well. And, and suddenly, you know, things get really scary. And, and then for, for my favorite class of, of traders, you know, th those who are trading uh, profits in, in cryptocurrencies, exactly the same principle applies. The fact that you're not trading in fiat currencies uh, and, and, and stock market listed investments doesn't mean that SARS doesn't want to share of the profits that you've made. And, and if you are trading in them, if you're actively trading, again, uh, expect a nasty surprise where SARS says we, we, we are owed income tax on that money. And, and that's a huge problem for a lot of people because that will happen at a time when they can't afford it. For example, now, you know, investments are going down. Uh, and, and people might not just have that accessible money anymore because their investments have lost 20 or 30% of their value, even though they, they made those profits in the previous tax year, they're, they're still there and they need to be paid. Yeah, absolutely. And when you look at, <laughs> there was a time when I wondered why anybody bothered buying anything other than Nuspers, because Nuspers was the market. Nuspers made, made the market. And if you were only invested in Nuspers, you were making so much money. 
And now if you were only invested in Nasbat, you'd be losing so much money. And it's something I've never been accused of, which is concentration risk. Um, the, the ability to <laughs> focus all of your attention in one particular place at one particular time is a good thing if you're studying for an exam. It's terrible if you're putting money away for a rainy day. Uh, I, I mean, it's 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 a it's a situation a lot of people are facing now. Where, where to, so to use your Nasdaq example, the, the the share price has taken a massive hiding, uh, and and, I, and I've received a number of inquiries from people to say, you know, shouldn't I take money out of my bond and, and just buy Nasdaq? You know, isn't this a, a great idea? And, and then you know, I'll, I'll ask them the follow up question, which is, you know, how, how many other shares do you own, and how, how much of this will be, you know, a part of your whole investment portfolio? And they and they go, what do you mean? It'll be my first share, and it'll be. You know, it'll now be my biggest share. Um, and, and if Nasparis does shoot up in value, and, and who knows what it will do next week, I mean, none, none of us can predict that. But but if it does shoot, shoot up in value, then then you've taken a big calculated risk and, and it's worked out. But what happens if if the Chinese regulators do something else to, to affect Tencent and, and put fear in investors in, in, in emerging market tech again, and, and your, your Nasparis or process shares lose another 30%, and, and now you've done it with borrowed money. So... So taking all of your eggs and, and putting them into that one basket and then that basket drops is just a scary thing to do. And, and it's so tempting for a lot of investors you know, who, who kind of become almost fanatical about a particular investment. And, and I think you know, we're, we're talking about shares now, Bruce, but, but, but the exact same applies to property. A lot of the time, you know, a new investor will say, okay, I own a house. Um, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to take out a, a bond on a new property and I'm going to rent that property out and I'm going to make lots of money because my tenants are going to pay off that bond and the, the bond, you know, the property prices will shoot up. And it's a very nice textbook theory. I, I wish the investment world, uh, you know, succeeded in textbooks, um, you know, only and, and, and we can all make money all the time. Unfortunately, in the real world, you get things like tenants not paying, uh, you get things like property prices falling, you know, rates going up all the time, it's come, uh, you know, prices going up, and suddenly property ownership becomes a very expensive thing. And that's also concentration risk. It's also too many eggs in one basket. Mm, absolutely. And then people who go, you know what, I believe in property. I'm going to buy just property or I believe in cash. I'm going to put it in the bank in a, in a fixed deposit or I believe in just gold or I believe in just Bitcoin or I believe just in shares. And, and it goes against this whole notion of diversification, which I think we've learned when markets were going up and everything was going up in a straight line. Diversification seemed like nuts. It's something crazy. But when things go bad, diversification truly stands out as, the, as a strategy that matters. Yeah, and and when markets, uh, you know, become incredibly volatile like they are now, and 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 it's from a surprise, you know, a shock to markets. We we saw that both in the initial COVID crash and and now with 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 the Ukraine situation, a lot of investors become almost binary in their thinking. In other words, they they go, you know, all in or all out. And 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 the number of calls I received, you know, in in the kind of two three days after after the the Ukraine was invaded from from people saying don't you think we should just sell all the shares and just move to cash uh, and let's just wait for this whole thing to resolve itself and 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 then you know let, let's buy in again so so now they they've made an all or nothing decision it's it you know we, we we're not in shares anymore we're not invested we're just going to be 100% in cash and we'll mm -hmm. just wait for for things to stabilize the, the same thing happened after the covid crash you know we don't know what's going to happen this pandemic could destroy the world uh, let, let's just move everything to cash 
the, the problem is w- w- when things are so uncertain, uh, you, you know, the, the, there is a very good chance that cash loses value as well. I'm, I'm not saying in absolute terms. In other words, I'm not saying your 100 rand suddenly goes to 90 rand. But what happens is inflation starts to kick in and the buying power of your money yeah. gets eroded. So, so you're uh, right. Di- diversification mm. is key there. And also, just I mean, one last point, because we need to move on. But just don't invest money that you might need next year. If your car's a bit rattly and you need to buy a new car, don't go and invest that money now because you don't know what's going to happen to markets. So please don't invest no money that you need in the short term. A question from Tato this evening, Warren. I need to make some good financial decisions. I've got some debt and I'm paying this off and I allocate a little bit of extra money to pay off the debt faster to become debt free. But I've noticed that markets are down thanks to the situation in Ukraine. And I think this presents a good buying opportunity because markets are offering discounts. Pays attention, does title. Should I use the extra money to add to my investments instead of paying extra on my debt? <gasps> Great question, title. That answer with Warren in a moment. The Money Show. Personal finance with Warren Ingram. Title's question this evening. And as I look up at my screen, I see an American called Brennan Schlagbaum. Of course, he's American. Um, posing exactly the same question, Warren, but slightly differently and more succinctly. Should you pay off your debt or invest first? Because Tato wants to pay off some debt, but is tempted by dripping roasts, as they call them in the market. What should he do? Uh, it's a, it's a, it is a brilliant question. You're right, because because there are many ways to to cook a roast, Bruce. And and I think when you when you're in this situation. Um, and I'm taught to, I'd be saying to myself, what's the debt that I've got? You know, is it credit cards, personal loans, overdrafts, uh, um, microloans? Because if it's any of those, then the answer is, doesn't matter how good the investment opportunity uh, you're, you're being offered, uh, s- settle those debts because those debts are, are costing you a huge amount of interest and those debts are, are pretty much guaranteed. It's, it's, it's like earning a guaranteed return on your money. Uh, and it's tax-free because all you're doing is paying off debt. And, and so I think that that's a no-brainer to me. You settle the debt. But if it's something like a home loan uh, where, where your interest rate might be fairly decent and you've got a fairly long uh, time horizon on your investment, uh, sorry, on your debt, then, then it's, it, it's not a bad idea to take a portion of that extra money that you were paying off into the bond because it is extra money. It's not just the minimum required. And, and take that money and, and buy, um, buy into investment markets now. I think Tata's right. The investment markets are offering fantastic value. And, and certainly people who buy into the markets uh, at, at these levels are not going to regret that decision over five or 10 years. They, they might be unhappy over the next two or three months. None of us know the answer to that. But I think over five or 10 years, certainly a good idea. So, so I think that you can- you are can... going up, Warren. That's the trouble. Money is going to become more expensive in the next 12 to 18 months. Sure, but uh, but you know if it's on a home loan, for example, and and you are you are paying off what's required already, and this is extra money, and you have been paying extra money for a while, then Tato's give, uh, you know already got some kind of fat in the system there, and and that's a, a protection against f- future problems, and and so. For me, I think that there, there is merit in, in, in looking at this as an option. As I said, there are many ways to cook the roast. So, so for people, for example, whose income might be pretty uncertain or unstable, that then definitely keep paying off the debt faster and, and use the low interest rates to your advantage. But there are times, and I think this is one of them, very few times in an investor's career where, where the markets are just irrationally priced. They, they are just putting things at too much of a discount. And, and then you should take advantage of other people's irrationality. And I, I feel strongly this is one of those times, Bruce. 
Okay, excellent one. Uh, I've got a phrase for you, and I like this one because it's one that, like so many of these phrases from the market, we take for granted. What is a dual listed share? Companies like Anglo American, um, like Investec. Is invest investing is not dual listed though, is it? it? Because it's got a different structure to the way in which Anglo American is listed. Is there a difference between the two? Yeah, so so a dual listed share very simply is is a um, is a company that that f- f- for example if we use the South African stock exchange you, you might you might have started in South Africa and you, you become a big business in South Africa you listed on the JSE uh, and and now you're starting to to kind of outgrow the the South African investor market and so you you, you say well I, I need to access a new pool of investors that that aren't you know um, available to the JSE. Uh, or to, to JSC listed shares, and so I'm, I'm going to go and li- list myself on on the Dutch stock exchange, or on the British stock exchange, or potentially the American or the Swiss. Uh, and, and South Africa has got a large number of these companies that that have, you know, I think through through the the legacy of apartheid, uh, you know, become very large in South Africa. And and when when the country opened up, uh, f- found themselves being massive uh, businesses in a very small stock market and very small economy, and have have then listed themselves as, elsewhere. Uh, and so, you know, that's the the kind of the simple basis. They they do get uh, you do find these things becoming a little bit more complicated. So, for example, uh, you know, a, a very big business in in China might say, well, I'd love to be accessible to American investors, and and what they'll do is then list a thing called an ADR, an American Depository Receipt, on the American stock exchange, so that uh, Americans can also buy the, the the share more easily. So, so it's quite a well-known structure around the world. They do get very complicated. So you, you do find, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of tiptoeing around your question because it's, it's going to take us um, another 15 minutes to answer. But you do find inwardly listed shares as well, where, where, where the structures become a, a kind of a bit more complex and the taxes around those are a bit more tricky. But, but very simply, dual listed, uh, you know, a, a share that's listed in two separate exchanges and sometimes could be two, three or four different exchanges, depending on, on what the company's looking for and the investors they want to access. Warren Ingram, personal financial advisor and executive director at Galileo Capital on a Thursday night here on The Money Show.